Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, Passing Shotters. Joel here wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Just to let you know that we're uploading this episode now that we recorded earlier this season with our good friend Liz Curran. Liz has done the career fan slam. She's travelled to all four Grand Slams in one year and she's going to be sharing her insight, her tips with regards to planning pre the event and during the Grand Slams as well. Me and Kim will also be there chipping in. We had a really fun time in recording this episode and we hope you have a really great time listening to it. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, Passing Shotters, and welcome to the latest episode of The Passing Shot. I'm Joel. And I'm Kim. And this week is a very special episode for The Passing Shot because we're introducing a new feature called The Second Serve, where we look at any important discussion points from the tennis fan community. And Kim, what are we talking about this week? So this week, we have a very special guest on, um, superfan Liz, who's been to all four Grand Slams in one year. Um, so that's what we would call, I guess, the career fan slam. Um, so we're just going to be talking about all the different slams, what the good and bad points of each slam are. So if any of you guys out there are thinking of going to any slams you haven't already been to and want to know more, Liz is here to give us more info on those how are you doing this i'm very good thank you i'm very excited to be part of the part of the podcast so thank you for coming on yeah so liz you have done the career fan slam when when did you do that actually i did the fan slam oh okay okay because i think career means you do it over your whole career but fan slam is to do it in one calendar year that's Mm -hmm. my understanding Mm -hmm. so i did it in 2012 and I didn't really start off intending to do it. I just wanted to go to Australia. And then I met my good friend, Mel, who's Grand Slam gal, who was doing the same thing. And she gave me the idea that maybe I could pop across to Paris and squeeze in a weekend in Paris. And then obviously Wimbledon is on my doorstep. And then the US Open was the tricky one. But I, again, managed to squeeze a week off work. And um, so suddenly, even without really planning it, I achieved... The Fan Slam in 2012, which was obviously London Olympic year. It was a very exciting year for me. I love the idea that there's a career fan slam and <laughs> a, a career to be a tennis fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's amazing. But you've also done each slam again since your, your all-in-one year, is that correct? That is right. I ended up having some time off in 2013, so I started again at, in Paris and went Paris, Wimbledon, US Open and Australia so I really did a lot in 2012-2013 I've been very lucky cool and I think you know the way we're going to kind of work this episode is um, we're going to go through like the steps of the fan slam we're going to start in Australia then go to the French Open 
then Wimbledon, then US Open. And we're just going to talk about, you know, all of our experiences with those, with each of those Grand Slams and like kind of the, you know, the unique qualities you get from, you know, from going to, you know, almost like being a British tennis fan in another, in another country, because it is like a different, they each has their own experience, don't they? So should we begin with, well, we'll start at the uh, beginning of the slam calendar. So Australian Open out in Mm. Melbourne. Um, Myself and Joel have also been to the slam, but we're really keen to get your perspective, Liz. Um, So if you could just begin by talking about, I mean, I think the things that kind of most fans want to know is kind of ease of getting tickets, where to stay, mm. what the atmosphere is like, um, any kind of main tips that you can think of. Maybe just, just tell us about about um, going down under. Wow. Well, I have to say I am a huge fan of the Australian Open. It was my first proper um, Grand Slam where I went to the whole two weeks and just committed it. People thought I was a bit mad. They were like, aren't you going to look at Melbourne? I went, no. I've been to the tennis every day, which was a bit a bit crazy. But um, the lovely thing is, I booked a lot of a few tickets before I went. I was I'm an Andy Murray fan, so I was trying to make sure I got to see Andy Murray, and um, so I booked a few tickets and some grounds passes. But what was amazing is that, I mean, that process was reasonably simple. Um, I did that all in advance and had my tickets all in advance. But what was amazing is that once I got there, there were still some tickets available to buy. So when the order of play came out, I used to run to the box office. Um, And I don't think you can do that for the final or the semi-finals. But actually up to quarterfinals day, I did manage to get tickets, which was just incredible when you're used to being a British tennis fan and people queuing for two days. through the ballot. Exactly. Or, you know, two days in a tent to get to the the sort of second Wednesday tickets. It's just extraordinary. So I would say that getting tickets for Australia is pretty, pretty easy. Um, I think they're all getting more popular. So, you know, and that was in 2012. But I think you can still get things sort of, you know, you don't have to queue for two days which is great. I think the middle Saturday is very, very busy. It's very popular. So make sure you've got a ticket to get in the grounds on the middle Saturday if you want to be there for that weekend because it's, you know, it's the middle weekend. People are not at work. Hmm. But apart from that, tickets were pretty good. And in terms of, in terms of like being at the event, I mean, obviously the weather is, is a big factor, not only for the players, but obviously for the spectators as well. Um, you know what are you what's what's your what's going through your mind when you're like packing for oh. you know, a day uh, you know a long day at the Australian Open where temperatures could be you know above 40 degrees well um I always take a really big white SPF whatever 50 shirt you know you can get them from travel shops mm-hmm. and even though that seems counterintuitive you to be covered up actually makes you cooler because it stops that burning sun it, Otherwise, you just get... I've actually got marks on my arms from that first visit. I think it does incredible sun damage. Um, so I do that, and I would put it, under the, put it under the taps. They're fantastic. They have water everywhere. Brilliant. I would just run it under the taps and put it on. And within about 10 minutes, it would be dry on a hot day. Um, and that worked really, really well for me. 
Um, yeah, I, re I remember you showing me, uh, <laughs> was it in 2012? It was in the first week, it was like a low of 41 degrees or something unbearable like that. Yeah, there were <laughs> in 2012, there were four days of over 40 degrees, which I've <laughs> never experienced anything like that in my life. It mm. was like walking into an oven. It was just a dry, extraordinary heat. It was like nothing I've ever known. And they did actually stop play on, I think, the third day. They... It reached all the levels which it's got to reach. So I went and hid. I found some aircon and hid yeah. for, and then it started up again about eight o'clock in the evening, which was great. You know. Yes, I think you know. For me, one of the unique qualities of the Australian Open is, as an event, the venue is almost like it's very central to the city. Unlike you know Wimbledon, US Open, when you have to get a train out to you know Flushing Meadow or um, you know Southfields or whatever. Um, you know, you can just walk, you know, you can just walk straight in um, to the venue. Um, in terms of like accommodation, were you like staying nearby um, or were you a bit more on the periphery? How did, how did that work? I actually tend to stay more central so that I can walk there because I kind of mm -hmm. think if I'm going, I don't want to be spending ages traveling. It does make it a bit more expensive. So it depends on your budget. Um, but I te I've tended to get apartments, which means that I can make my own sandwiches and just <laughs> cook in the evening which I like doing um and I think if you're eating out all the time Australia's quite expensive so for me that kind of balances out a little bit and I just love being right you know able to walk down the river at night and that kind of stuff it's such a beautiful city and it's so vibey yeah and what did you make of the crowds yeah <laughs> they're just quite funny <laughs> it's not like Wimbledon Oh, my word. Yes, there's shirts off and flags and hats and flip-flops. And... and a Ralph Red shirt <laughs> um, and not feel really uncomfortable after about, a, you know, an hour's play, could you? It's, yeah. it's not that sort of thing. It's For me, it's like a very, yeah, very relaxed, you know, you go yeah. in there. For me, it's like going there in shorts and a T-shirt and, yeah, just looking for, you know, good quality tennis at, you know, at the start of the, at the, start of the season. It's fun. It is my favourite way to spend January. But you and you and Kim did different accommodation things. You might want to talk about the alternatives because not everybody will want to get an apartment. No. Yeah, I. Yeah. What did you do, Kim? Yeah. I have stayed in a few hostels, and I had an Airbnb this year, which was yeah, bang in the centre. So it was great. You could walk to the tennis in like twenty minutes. So yeah, as, as Shedlers, it's such a nice walk along the river. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely recommend just staying centrally because uh, then you know that a lot. Of time the tennis goes on till, till the early hours of the morning so you want to be able to get back um, yeah I mean my <laughs> my strategy was basically try and compromise on as much as possible so I could just spend it on tennis tickets mm. so uh yeah I stayed with um I stayed with one of my friends who works in Melbourne um and got the tram got the tram to the um yeah to the venue very very easy to do and really quite really really nice way to kind of you know, for your first experience, really nice to kind of get the feeling of the crowd on the tram and all that kind of positive energy going in, in into the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could do the Australian Open every year. It's just, as you said, yeah. it's the perfect way to spend January, isn't it, Liz? It's absolutely such a nice slam, and I love the the late night crowds and that, that atmosphere. And <laughs> it's just wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> We're getting nostalgia, might cry a minute. <laughs> And what they, what they do as well is, um, I don't know if they do it at any of the other Grand Sams, but they do that five-day ground pass for the first week. 
which is an absolutely as an uh, I think that's a really great value ticket that they offer, which means that you could go into the ground um, for the first you know first five days of tournaments and see you know almost as much tennis as you want from you know the first hit at you know ten a.m. to you know lights out at you know ten eleven p.m. on on the outside courts. Yeah, and they also I just think they are the most fan friendly slam. You know they publish the practice schedules. Yeah on screens as you're walking around um, qualifying very well thought out yes qualifying's free i'm a massive fan of qualies for all of the tournaments actually it's free and it's it's wonderful so so moving on from the australian open when you when you did you fly back to the did you fly back to the uk or what was uh what was kind of your post yes post- sadly i flew back to a very cold <laughs> we had the, the whole you know what is it called? Beast from the East and all that stuff that went on for months. Yeah. Usually, I think doing January in Australia is kind of a way to break the back of winter. But this year, that, that strategy did not work. <laughs> but anyway, it's, I'm still it's very grateful that I was able to do it. So did you get back and were like, uh, I, I need to get get my fix. French Open, here we go. Or did you kind of wait? Because it's a bit more, you, I think you've got to be a bit more tactical with the tickets to the French Open. Because I remember when I went, uh, I had to go online at 6am on a Tuesday morning or something, <laughs> make sure I was in the queue for tickets. Otherwise, it was like, almost like a, one, a one-shot deal. Yes, it is much more complicated, the ticketing for the French. It's not impossible at all, but you... you, Yes. It's not as open as the Australian no, Open, is it's it? it's not just go online and buy them. It's more of an etiquette if that's even a word then it's a similar it's more similar to Wimbledon I yes. think, than, than than the Australian you can't buy them on site which is a bit odd mm. yeah you right? have to get them in advance don't you like mm. in February or March or something. what so you could turn up and there's not like there's no like kiosk you could queue for or anything or... no it's um, weird I but they had so... a good with- <laughs> with Paris, you have to really know months in advance that you want to go. Um, is that correct? Is that what you you planned it from kind of when you got back from Australia? You thought, right, I need to get on. There. Yes, in 2012, that is what I did. So I was up at six o'clock in the morning, you know, in the queue and you're there for about two hours. And then eventually it pops up and you you have this one shot to grab <laughs> the tickets that you want. And you're only mm. allowed certain ones. for certain. It's really strange. Um, yeah. And it's you have to make sure you, you get the button for like English rather than French. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you did you get there? Did you take the Eurostar or did you fly or what was? Your... I did the lovely Eurostar. Yeah. Yeah. Was that very easy? It is pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, could you do that? Because because when I went, I I went with a friend and we flew at you know the crack of dawn. Got there to the you know got there to the, at the site at maybe like you know nine a.m. and had had a, had a really long day and then got a flight back in on you know the next morning. Yeah, for you was it kind of um, you know was, yeah was it easy easy to get there and you know, didn't you have any issues getting in or anything? No, I think there are queues and lots of ID checks and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've done the French twice. So the first time it, I did the long weekend, it was the Queen's Jubilee, so we got an extra day. So I did like four or five days that sort of long weekend thing in the middle um and then the next time I did much longer and did from qualies through to the middle of the second week which is a really nice thing to do um, so where did you stay in Paris um because obviously it, Paris uh, 
Roland Garros is kind of like the Wimbledon or London. It's yes, it's sort of southwest, isn't it? I stayed, the first time I stayed in a tiny Airbnb, which somebody had recommended to me, it was about 20 metres square. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did major cooking in it. I was very impressed, impressive, but I had to sort of move everything around in order to be able to do that. Um, and what is it the second time? I can't remember. I think I might have done something similar the second time, actually. Oh, no, hang on. That was the second time I did that. And the first time I did a, a hotel for five nights. Both times I stayed walking distance, which is, I just quite like being able to just walk out of the ground. And even if it's a half hour walk, you know, you can yeah. get yourself home. Um, and when you were like in the, when you were in the venue, what did you think of it? Cause I know there's obviously a lot of chat. <laughs> the French open is very like the infrastructure is very old, you know, yeah. like Chatrier doesn't have a roof. It doesn't even have floodlights. I don't think. Um, and it feels to me when I was there, it felt like it was a little bit cramped compared to the Australian, which, yeah, is kind of over, like, very kind of a lot more spacious. Yes, it is the smallest of the Grand Slams, and I think they're trying to work on that. They may have made a bit mm. of progress, but it's they've got a very constricted site, and that that is a bit of a problem. I mean, it's so pretty. I mean, I was trying to think about the positives of all the slams before we, we sort of did this podcast, um, and it is really pretty. The red clay in real life is so much prettier than on the television. And it is beautiful. And the little trees. But can be a nightmare getting from one end to the other. So when they do their big redevelopment, they, will, they won't be the same. They won't be as good as the Australian. I'm sorry. But they will be, it will be a significant improvement, I think. Um, but I don't know quite when that's happening. It was meant to be 2019, but I think it may have slipped a little. Mm-hmm. And like in terms of, I know you just spoke about cooking. I was just thinking about food on site. Like how did it stack up against like the Australian, against compared to like the food in the Australian Open? Was it? I thought know? it was quite limited because I don't eat much meat and I don't eat dairy. So mm-hmm. I was, that was pretty tricky. There's not that much if you are, I've got any kind of food preferences, really. And I also, when I go to these tournaments, I don't really want to spend time in a queue waiting for a baguette because I might be missing the best bit of the match. So I do quite like to but there, to go prepared. But there are loads of lovely supermarkets with great salads and stuff you can buy. So I think you can buy stuff to bring in, and that's what I would recommend to people to do. Um, if you're really serious about watching the tennis, just come prepared, come with food. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think for me, yeah, the French Open's a bit more, you know, it feels a bit more of a social, like a social, like a social occasion, like the... Well, the fans you know, the don't people... turn up till after lunch, do they, <laughs> like on, on the main oh, court? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just there's oh, no yeah, one they... until like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Whereas at least yeah, they... yeah, you know, because people are like, it's more, it's difficult to get the tickets. So at least there's more people on centre court. Uh, doesn't look quite as sparse on TV. Yeah, because don't they start the? Uh, didn't they? Was it this year? Did they start the men's semi-finals at like two two o'clock? And it's like, you know, you're playing a risky game there when you've not got floodlights. Um, mm. You know, and there's potential, you know, potentially for bad weather, and you've got to play two long, you know, potentially long semi-finals um, in, you know, in 
what six seven hours might be, could could be quite tricky um yeah i i yeah i don't know i don't know if uh, yeah anyone had any any thoughts on that because yeah, yeah for me I think, i've um, i think roland garris it's just it just seems a bit dated doesn't it i think they definitely need some to jazz it up a bit um but yeah like you said it, it's it's much more of a to be seen there kind of event mm. isn't it um, I mean, to some respects, Wimbledon is as well. Um, but for for me, for when I've been twice, I, it, it's my least favourite of the slams that I've been to. Oh, interesting! Um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it uh, very much, but compared to like AO, you know, I don't think it really compares for me. <laughs> mm. And the other thing is, there's nowhere to go if it rains. If it rains, yeah. everybody kind of runs under Chatrier, and it, mm. it's just it's just like a big camp. It's terrible. You know, everybody's sitting on the floor <laughs> eating their sandwiches. It's really, really desperate. And you're not allowed off site and back on again. So you can't even yes. go and escape to a cafe. Yeah. It's a bit grim if it's cold and wet. It's not yeah. often, but if it is, if you get a day like that, that's pretty challenging. Mm. <laughs> have lots of podcasts downloaded on your phone to listen to yes it, yes exactly exactly i think there is one they have, thing they yeah. do have they do have a resale ticket for not resale on the site but if you can sort of resale it and they limit how much they can be sold for sort of mm. there's a sort of formal reselling site so if you have to sell your ticket for us that you've got because you can't go anymore you can sell it but i think they limit it at like twice the face value or something like that and um so i think that's quite it's quite regulated around what happens to the tickets but it does work if you want to pick up tickets that way or if you want to offload a ticket that way through the french yes, federation you site always, you can always if you didn't manage to get your tickets mm. when they first come out in the online sale you can go on and get them nearer the time if, okay. yeah if, if you know if you sort of try and get lucky um i think i've sold one on that site before mm. when my my friend couldn't go uh, so I sold hers and it was snapped up. So, so yeah. Uh, shall we move on to, to SW19? Yeah. I mean, when you're good. So, Liz, how, how, many, okay, how many times have we all been? <laughs> Gosh, I, d- I don't <laughs> actually know. <laughs> what, could, what was the first match you can remember that you saw at Wimbledon? I can, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can remember what mine was. Yeah, I know mine, I think. I think, I think there was one time I went after, was going, so let's discount that because it was so long ago. Um, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't get into any courts. So, um, but I think I got taken on hospitality once and I think Philippousis was playing. Um, so I think it was somewhere. Was that when, between... he, got to the fi- when he got to the final? Oh gosh, no, it would have just oh. been a sort of weekday thing. Oh, okay. So it would have been somewhere between 2000 and 2010, because I'm thinking of where I was working. Yeah. And um, I remember being a bit naughty, because I think, I think Tim Hemman was playing. Um, and I really wanted to watch him, so I think I went outside and watched on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> so ever the, ever the British, British supporter, you know. So um, did, um, had you not been before 2000? I thought you uh, might have been... Bit, bit bit earlier than that back in the day i think i went once but i honestly before you had apps and things if you go around all you 
can see on those outside courts, you can't see what's happening. I remember once somebody saying Martina Navrato was playing doubles, but you couldn't get in. Mm. So it was just, I didn't know what I was doing. I think the apps really help, don't they? Because mm. you know where to go and what to do. It was just extraordinary. So yeah. it's changed, That's a good point, changed actually. the experience. Mm. Yeah, because the Wimbledon app is probably, would we say, the best Grand Slam app? Um, it's better than the US Open one. I find the way they do the scoring quite strange on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and AO, um, I think, was fine. But I found, my problem with Wimbledon was that I found I couldn't get any signal for, like, half of the site uh, one year. So I was sort of searching around with my phone in the sky, trying to be able to send a text message. Oh, no. My to text me, like, what the score was on court 14, so I knew when to go over to get a message in. <laughs> Uh, but I was like, this is not, you know, it shouldn't be happening in the 21st century. But um, I think their, like, connectivity has definitely improved in the last few years. Mm. They've got mm. charging points, um, yeah. which if you're camping Cafe? in the queue. Yeah, they do. If you're camping in the queue, that was, you know, if you're Oh, wow. Away, yeah. So you need to be able to, like, charge it, other, you know, rather than just sit on the floor. With a... See, I've, I've never queued. Never, never Joe. No. Joe. Does that mean I'm a true tennis fan or not? Really? No, you're not no, a true not. fan. You not have to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologies. What is that <laughs> like then? The what is like the queue like? <laughs> Kim, you're the expert. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I've que- yeah, I've queued for about ten years. Um, <laughs> Are you still queuing? Since... No, I'm joking. Yeah, I know. I'm still in the park <laughs> waiting. For <the> <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it was. My first year of queuing was 2009, actually. And after Andy Murray um, sort of started becoming more successful and then after he won, the queues just got busier and busier Mm. every year. I don't know if that's purely because of Andy Murray, but um, it's, yeah, definitely you need to now get there earlier and earlier to get like the same position that you were in the queue um, as many years previous. But I like the queue. I mean, I like the It's unique, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's tradition. <laughs> what do you think, Liz? What's you've queued many a time. I think we've queued together a few times, but yeah, I have. And um, I was really scared, but I did actually do the queue properly in 2013. Took my tent and all my paraphernalia, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was quite it's quite an effort because you've got to put it up and put it down, and but it's it's more fun than you expect it's going to be. Actually, it is tiring. But um, but it works. And I think people people often come to me and say, how do you get Wimbledon tickets? And I start to tell them because there's <laughs> several different ways. And literally their eyes glaze over. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you didn't really want to know, did you? They just, I'm a bit of a geek about it all because there's lots of different ways. I, I used to think it was impossible. And then I discovered that it wasn't impossible. When I got into tennis properly, the, you know, sort of 2011-ish, I just realised that if you really focus on it, you can get in. I think also people still have this misconception that everyone's queuing on the pavement, like they used to in the 70s. Yeah. But it's all in the park. It's very well organised. Mm. You've got the stewards looking after everything. You, know, you get your queue card. You are allowed to go off to the toilet and to get a coffee. You know, you're not sort of chained to a fence. And, um, yeah, it's a good laugh, when you're, especially when you're camping, because you get to chat to people in the queue. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, there's that kind of, solidarity amongst tennis fans you all kind of in it together um yeah you don't have to camp you know that's just if you want to get the show court so if you just want grounds passes you can get there just really really early 
like six, seven, eight in the morning to get them. So you don't have to mm-hmm. sleep in the park. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it is an effort. It is tiring. I found that when I've queued um, overnight for like Zendcourt, by the time, you know, the match I've queued for is beginning, I feel like <laughs> nodding off, especially if it's <laughs> And then you know, 26 hours to fall asleep on Zendcourt. Um, but yeah, it's it's still worth it. I mean, especially now with, with, with the roofs, um, that's the yeah. thing is camping overnight and then you get rain all day and you're just, you know, completely pissed off um, with that. But um, I mean, what what else? Uh, Wimbledon isn't just you. Um, it is a major part of it, and I think it can be very off-putting to people. But they do have Ticketmaster now, don't they? If you yeah, um, there's other ways to get tickets. There are other ways. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a, you know, it's very different to the US and and the Australian, where you know it's like a kind of Ticketmaster kind of style. You know, you just go online, get a, a paperless ticket. Um, and then you can like scan a but you know scan a barcode from your phone. It's very it's a lot more traditional, is it? You know you still get the kind of tickets through the post, um, you know either through the you know the public ballot or you know the British tennis members ballot. Um, it's yeah, it's very it, it requires a lot of forward planning, doesn't it? Yes, or effort on the day or during the yeah. week. You yeah. know to say I'm going to go down and try and get in sometimes I've got in on in the queue in the evening and it's taken me 20 minutes or half an hour Mm. you know it just depends how many people are on site that day and who's gone in and how full it is I guess luck is if you want to go uh second week when they officially stop the camping queue I think it's from Mm. like the Wednesday um of the second week onwards you can kind of turn up at like 10 a.m just walk straight in so if someone's never been to Wimbledon before, just wants to like pop in, yeah. you know, sit on Hemman Hill, watch some invitational doubles and juniors, then that's a good shout. If you go that is door. the biggest secret, Kim. Yeah, I know, I've just given it away. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, Wimbledon, do you travel from, you live in London, right, Liz? So do you just travel from home? Yeah, or, yeah, or it takes me probably about an hour and a quarter to yeah. get there. Plus, the, you know, yeah. So it's doable. It's definitely doable. There's that thing of leaving as the sun's gone down and oh it's just there's just something very nostalgic about leaving when the last ball I'm I'm very bad at leaving before the last <laughs> ball has been hit. So you leave at like half nine, quarter to ten when nothing else is going on and oh the walk up the hill and yeah. I don't know. I, I, I do love it. It's very yeah, it's very beautiful. And, uh, and lots of happy memories. Are you one of those people who takes their own strawberries and cream, or uh, or do you, or do you just buy on the on the day? I'm a bit of a picnicker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the food is really. I think it's really good. They've got it volume catering down to a tea. Yeah, and it's got even better. There's a big. They took out court 19. It was, I think, and they've now got a massive food court there, and it's mm. just really good so for like under 10 pounds maybe eight nine pounds you can get i don't know a chicken curry or a lots of different things and it's pretty decent mm. yeah so i sometimes you just need a bit of hot food from wimbledon so yeah and i the guess the most find... yeah oh sorry saying, Kim? Gonna... well i was going to say was... the um the ticket resale queue is you know probably oh. the most unique thing 
in terms of like a fan experience, Wimbledon, yes. that's something that's obviously it's, you know, it's great for someone who gets in on a grounds pass and wants to get in, you know, on a show court for 10, you know, 10, 15 quid and watch, you know, watch some, you know, some great tennis and you can get in some absolutely fantastic matches on a, you know, on a cut price. Yeah. It's yeah, it's brilliant. And I wish the others good. did it as well now. Although they have put their price up, 15 quid, if you're only going to get an hour's 10, this is a bit much, mm. in my view, or half an hour. But yeah, it's 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 unique and I wish the others did it because it's not fair on the players to be on a late match and nobody's watching. You know, it's a bit rubbish. So, whereas in Wimbledon, you always get a great atmosphere right to the end on the show courts because of that. So... Yeah, and I think because people might only be going for like that one day they get ballot tickets for, they're like determined to make every moment mm. get, you know, till like the, the last one. Absolutely. Which is really nice. Um, the other thing I find about Wimbledon is just some of the rules that can be quite um, archaic, like in terms of people wanting to bring flags in, um, they confiscate them at the uh, yeah. security. The queue. So is they political like, messages and is it well, they're just just flag certain size they won't allow in. So you see all these flags like lined mm. up by security that have been taken off people. So my friend um, <laughs> Spanish flagging. So what she did was she designed a dress made out of a Spanish flag and wore it into <laughs> the <laughs> which I thought was quite clever, um, a way of, a way of getting around the rules. But, um, but yeah, we do love Wimbledon. And say. like some of my other favourite moments are just sitting on the hill, kind of in the evening, provided you're wrapped up enough, um, and watching a match. I think the big screen has got better actually this year. It was seeming to be really good quality, and you just have this fantastic atmosphere. I think especially at twilight, where people are really watching a good match, and there's often a lot of people still there, and it's quite fun, and people have got their bubbly or whatever you know they're just they're just enjoying themselves and it's 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 really nice to have that space and have that atmosphere i i enjoy that so um so we've done wimbledon uh what what do you think of the us open then is the last slam when, going back to 2012 how soon in the year had you decided that you were now going to do all four I think it was when I managed to negotiate that week off because one of my team always took the first week in September off. And I think because of the way the dates fell, I was able to go like the last week in August and then she still had the first week in September for her birthday off. So I was like, yes, I can do it. So I literally flew back on a Saturday night overnight and, you know, went back to work on the Monday and she was then. So it was, it was, I don't know when it happened, but it maybe. I suddenly thought, wow, I could actually do this. And I I was really excited. Um, so, and I, so the US Open is the one time I've not been to, so I'm oh. really keen to find out from you. Um, I mean, what would you do for, if, as a newbie going to the US Open? How would I go about getting tickets? What would you suggest? I would suggest, I mean, I think the way it was when I was there, and I think it's the same, Joel, you've been more recently, yeah. is... Some I was going to get grounds passes and then somebody said, well, just buy Arthur Ashe because yep. they're only a little bit more. So that gives you the, like the promenade tickets, like the mm. ones up in this flipping sky miles away. But at least it gets you in. And it gets you um, undercover as well in the shade. Oh, it does now, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Didn't when I was there. Um, so probably get an Arthur Ashe 
I would go for day tickets because once you're on site, you can stay for the evening. Whereas if you get an evening ticket, you can only come in at, I think, five o'clock. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I just felt like it was such good value to be able to come in and, you know, play starts at 11 and you can stay till, you know, it's, the excitement for me was the fact that, um, you know, the sun goes down and you don't have to go home. It carries on. You know, the floodlights yeah. come on and, and the heat dissipates slightly, which is always a relief because it's generally it's very, very hot. Yeah. So by sort of six, seven o'clock, it's my favorite time. You just like, oh, I've survived the day. I can, you know, I don't know. I just love those outside courts at that time. Yeah. the I think what's really cool about US Open is that in terms of its ticketing and if you think about the show courts, I mean, mm. Wimbledon, yes. all the show courts are all ticketed. Like, you know, centre court, number one court, number two court, even number three court has like, you mm. know, is, is is ticketed to an extent. And at the US Open, um, Louis Armstrong, you can get in on a ground pass. Grand, grandstand is an absolutely massive stadium now that they've... Mm. Um, they've redeveloped it and again you can kind of again some of it is ticketed but a lot of it isn't and you can watch some absolutely fantastic matches on there with you know with a ground pass it's brilliant it's brilliant so just even yes even with a grounds pass if you decide not to take the risk on arthur ash you can see some absolutely incredible tennis and court 17 is beautiful as well. It's a lovely bowl. It's just fantastic. Oh yeah. That's actually, Mm. yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic Mm. court. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The, I, I, I find, I like the, I, I always kind of feel like the, like us opens, like their like tennis organizers approach to it. It's like, they just want to get as much tennis on, you know, in that, day so they don't care if they don't care about starting a match at like you know 9 10 p.m if they want to complete it they'll have the floodlights on and complete it it's not like kind of Wimbledon where you know it's it's three matches on uh you know on center court and we're never ever gonna do a fourth match ever because you know there are rules and stuff um it's just great that yeah you can watch tennis from on on a ground pass yeah from you know, 10 a.m. in the day to, you know, past 10, 10 p.m. at night. Mm, that does sound, that's like Australia yeah. where you just get so many hours in. It's really good value, isn't it? So also, I mean, I know the US Open is up in Queens, so it's a bit out of the way. Um, yeah. Like we were saying earlier, where where would you recommend staying in order to, uh, would you stay locally or would you just stay like in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Berlin? Um, I would say, I mean, I stayed, I stayed with family in Brooklyn and the, the prob the, the issue there is that you actually have to go into Manhattan in order to get to Flushing Meadow. Um, so, um, it it is a bit of a long train, it is a bit of a long train journey. They do do fast services. I never for the life of me saw a fast service. I seem to have got all the, (laughs) I seem to have got all the regular ones, um, but um, yeah, I, I mean, ideally, yeah, you probably would want to stay in Manhattan and yeah, get the get the train out each, get the subway out each day, yeah. um, and it goes straight. It goes straight. It goes straight there. Um, it's a big, mm. you know, it's a very big site. Um, and actually, what's amazing is that they've got practice courts like outside the site, so you can, you know, they're almost like in the the park next to it, so you can just go up and just watch you know 
you can watch people practicing who you know aren't even practicing like you know in inside the inside the stadium oh cool um, um i and is it i mean i don't know how many other um american sporting events you've been to but i've been to someone it's very like big and brash and you know, like typically american is that vibe what you get at the us open or because it's tennis it's you know typically tennis is a bit more of a you know it's the date sport if you like what's what's the atmosphere like in the ground i would say fans are very passionate uh particularly when americans are playing um it is kind of i think it is like you know it's sort of like you, you know people bring their families along to it and it is quite it can it's quite kind of um yeah it's it, it's not as kind of you know silent it's not silent like every you know every point i would say and, you know you always get those you always get those classic tv shots of like spectators walking in during a game trying to find their seats and you know and, and the commentary will always be like oh the stewards are useless because they they don't know what score is and, and stuff like that but it it just creates this like you know it creates a i don't know yeah it's a bit i don't want to say disorganized but it's just it's just a different way of doing things compared to yeah the other grand slams And Liz, uh, what do you think? I mean, how many times have you been? I've only been, I've only been twice. Um, I can hear some music in the background. I'm really sorry. But I, I, can you hear it? No. I can't. Oh, good. Well, that's right. Bizarrely, there's music playing in the background. Yeah. And I've switched everything off. No. So, yeah. That's really good that you can't hear it. But I've got. Luke playing in the background. Maybe it's coming from your no, neighbour. It's Luke. It's Luke you have to yeah, no, I'm really girl. sorry, but I just didn't want you guys to I was wondering why you just. I've got Luke singing hollow. I don't understand. I've literally switched everything off. I'm so. It's just really embarrassing. <laughs> literally, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, okay. Sorry, we Liz. Just... Uh, Kim, ask that question again, and then and uh, Liz. What did I I've say? Okay. Oh, right. Okay. So, right. <clears throat> so, Liz, how many times have you been to the USA? Was it I've only been twice. I went in 2012 as part of the, the year's thing. And then I've been in 2013 as well. I went back um, and haven't been since. And it is high on my list to return because I, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. Um, and it's not as far as Australia, no. obviously. Um, so it's a bit more doable. And obviously New York is a great city. And in terms of where I stay, I've always stayed yeah. in Manhattan and then got the train out because I just, even if I get back at midnight, I just kind of love the fact that I arrive back and just walk the streets of Manhattan because it it doesn't ever sleep really. So yeah, there's always a corner deli to pick up pick up some food or something. Yeah, it's nice when you can combine tennis with you know normal travel. And, um, you know, for example, if you've never been to New York, Melbourne, Paris before, mm. London, it's a great way to kind of, you know, time your visit <laughs> during the Grand Slam. And often I find that in, well, I think in pretty much all of the places, I don't know about London, but they have, you know, big screens up um, somewhere in the city where you can watch watch it. Um, you know, if you mm. don't have tickets to get in or you don't, if you're just in the city for a day, you can kind of chill out and... 
I know they definitely have that in Melbourne, don't they? And, yeah, and they Paris, have live but... sites, which are great. Yeah. I would say, though, mm. the food at the US Open is is all terrible. It's all fried <laughs> and, you know. America, uh, yeah, I know. I know. But it is, it is all, you know, Coca-Cola, pizzas and burgers. And so, um, yeah. you know, that can get, if you get, you know, if you're going there for like consecutive days, that can get pretty samey pretty quickly. Um, I think the rule is to pack your own food, isn't it? I think, yeah. uh, you know, if you want to get the most out of watching as much tennis what, what was, and saving a bit of Yeah, money. what was really funny, actually, is when I went um, when I was there uh, last year, I think. And, um, yeah, I took a lot of snacks with me into into the grounds. And I looked on, like, the website for, like, if there were any, like, restrictions on, like, how much food you could take in. And... Um, when the security guy was searching my bag, he, I was like wondering if he was like going to confiscate any of my sacks. And I literally took like, so, I took so much in, but he, he just looked at me. He was like, Hey, this guy's got all the snacks. And, <laughs> You're and, a hungry, uh, hungry man. Yeah. But everyone was really friendly. Oh, and I, I, yeah, I really, I really enjoy, really enjoy whenever I, I, I've been there. The only thing I would say is what's a shame is compared to, I just, I just always remember compared to 2012, because of the the value of the dollar, like the tickets are not as cheap as they were. Um, mm. And although they're still good value in the sense that, you know, first week, yeah, you can get play from, you know, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on a ground pass. Yeah, they are, a li- I would say they're a little bit more expensive than, um, they're probably more in line with kind of like Wimbledon pricing. Where How much is a ground kind of- pass now then? Um, all in I, remember, I think they're more, uh, I think they're more like sixty, sixty-five dollars. Um, but that's what they always and, were. Well, I thought they were a lot better yeah, value. But the conversion yeah. rates now. Were, yeah. No, I, I thought they were a lot better value when um, you know when I, I went there in in yeah, in 2012. But um, but I mean, yeah, you still get a lot of tennis for you know once you're you know once you're inside. <laughs> So, so Liz, which if I had never been to any Grand Slam before, but and had kind of the time and money to go to any of them, um, which one would you recommend? Oh, I think yes. If if you've got an unlimited budget, I think go to Australia. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, all the others. They've all got great things about them, but (laughs) and that's what's nice about doing all four is that they're all completely different and you get a very different vibe and they all have wonderful things about them but I think yeah I think in the perfect world I think what helps the Australian is that because it's at the start of the year like realistically 99% of the players are going to be fit and you know raring to go um so you know you're likely to see you know all your you know all your favorite players whereas kind of like you know I went to the, you know, when I went to the US Open, it was like Murray, you know, Murray pulled out like a day before and it was like, oh, great. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I like, I really, yeah, really, I, the Australian Open definitely made a, a big impression on me. Yeah, I guess the time of the year as well, coming from Europe, like the weather wise, mm. it's a good move. Yeah. Ah, well, um, it's been very enlightening to learn more about all the different sounds. Um, I definitely want to go back to Australian Open, French Open, 
and do the US Open. And obviously Wimbledon's kind of like a an annual thing as we uh, you know, we're from London. So, and right, let's just do a bit of just to end the show. Let's just do a bit of word association with with each Grand Slam. <laughs> So if Sorry, I say, Joel. Can you just say that again? Because it was slightly distorted for me. Um, so to finish the episode, uh, let's do a bit of word association for each Grand Slam. So if I say, if I say I'm going to say Grand Slam, I want you guys, and I'll join in as well, just say kind of, yeah, one word, one word that for you kind of sums up the Australian Open, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Me. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, or every, everyone. We'll just we'll go round. We'll go round. Okay. So. Uh... <laughs> I love these games. <laughs> right. So uh, I'll start with. Uh, okay. Australia. Australian Open for me. Fan friendly. <laughs> you put a hyphen in, did you? <laughs> yeah, I put a hyphen in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm choosing two words, and this is literally the first thing that came to my mind. But it's frozen ice. <laughs> what? Because they sell these like frozen ice drinks, oh. which are really good when it's so hot. Yeah. Well, I think you've both chosen two words, so I'm going to do two words. So I, I think of sunshine because <laughs> it's January, and the other thing, it felt like a festival. It didn't just feel like a tennis tournament. It felt like a festival. So maybe mm. sunshine festival. Hi, from. <laughs> Uh, okay, French Open. I'm gonna say socialites. <laughs> um, dusty. Because <laughs> you always end up getting clay on everything when you've been there. I'm gonna say pretty. Mm, yeah. Mm. Oh, Wimbledon. Okay, Wimbledon. Uh, Wimbledon. First word that comes to your mind. Expensive. <laughs> there, I said it. Um, mm, the establishment. Yeah, I'm probably going to say classic. Yeah. yeah. There's many other words we could say as well, like strict and cues yeah. and grass, <laughs> but you know, classic. Yeah. Uh, and US okay. yeah, US yeah, so... Open for me loud my perception of it is that it's um, yeah like I don't know. Just brash. Yeah, loud and brash, I suppose. You've stolen my word, Kim. That's fine. Oh, That's sorry. a great word. <laughs> it's a good yeah, word. I'd written fun, brash and concrete Because <laughs> it is quite... <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's just quite... Yeah. There isn't that much softness around it, is there? You know. Hmm. Yeah, it is very... Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. But it is quite fun. Mm. <laughs> cool. Hot. <laughs> quite fun. <laughs> Hot and humid. Yeah. Yeah. Although one year, didn't you have, was it Hurricane Sandy or something? Didn't you had the hurricane, didn't you, Joel? Yeah. You nearly was... didn't get out. They had to defer the final. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, well, that, that was a blessing in disguise for me because uh, they moved the final to the Monday. Mm. Lots of people couldn't go. 
you had could... their tickets Woo-hoo! back in, was able to get was able to get in, and also because it didn't involve Nadal or Federer. Like I, I think the U.S. Open fans they're very like single-minded, and it's it's really interesting to see like if Federer is playing, like tickets are very expensive, but if he's not playing, they're like considerably you know less expensive for Ash, but um. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. I still, yeah, I, yeah, it's still really good fun. Um, yeah. Can I just um, say two things? Yeah. <laughs> that I think are really applied to all Grand Slams that I've discovered. One is that qualies, I think, is fantastic. It's often free. You pay a little bit in the French, but I just love it. You know, the, the three of them, you can get, oh, actually, you pay for Wimbledon now, don't you, a little bit. But you can get in and you can see amazing, amazing players that are just either on the way down or on the way up. And the other thing is juniors. And I credit Leon Smith for this, the British Davis Cup captain, because my first trip to Australia, in the first week, I was like, oh, there's all these people. And he said, yeah, and next week we've got X, Y, Z coming as juniors. And I would never have known. And there was Kyle Edmund, there was Liam Brody. Who else was there? There were two or three other people that you would probably recognise. Mm. And I think seeing those 16, 17, 18-year-olds play, they are not junior matches. They're just slightly less experienced, really great tennis players. Watch, you know, And certainly, Kim, we've sat and watched some great juniors matches, haven't we? And I just think it's really, really worth doing. If you're around in the second week, yeah, no, good shout. They're my, they're my tips. Yeah. I like second week. Yeah, no, it's weird. The second week of slams always has a weird feel as well, yeah. isn't it? Because everyone's at home. Like, it's very quiet compared to the first week. But it's nice because you can actually sit on the court and you get them to like to get on, um, like you do in the first week. In well, in some places. Cool. Right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode of the second serve from the passing shot. Uh, but for now, from me, uh, from Kim. I'm from Liz. Cheerio! Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you, Liz. For coming. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your uh, insight, Liz. Very, very interesting. But yeah, uh, and we hope it was kind of a interesting listen to anyone who's out there, kind of thinking of doing a fan slam um, in the near and present future. So thank you and goodbye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.